Welcome to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host, life coach Emma Wilson, and I'm here to help you feel better, be more confident, and get unstuck at 30. This week's episode is the second installment of Turning 30 and Being Single, and I'm really excited to invite my guest, Shaney Silver, onto the podcast. Shaney is a 38-year-old writer and podcaster, and she's based in Brooklyn, New York. She is the host of a single-serving podcast and is working endlessly to change the negative narratives around being single. Her aim is to improve the way society views singles, and most importantly, the way they view themselves. Hi, Shani, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And just really want to thank you again. I know I've already thanked you pre-recording, but for joining us today. And I was just telling you how this is a big episode for me to have this conversation and to invite you on. And I actually found you because of your recent article that you did for Refinery29. And I stumbled upon you on Instagram and I was reading that first article and just every word I was like yes wow wow yes I agree I agree you know and you just like automatically became your groupie and then I just got lost reading all the other articles and I eventually sent a few to my friends and then I thought you know what why don't I just reach out and ask if you'll come on the podcast and I'm so happy that you obliged and that you're here so thank you so much and I wanted to ask did, did you get a really good response to to that article and when you put out your articles about uh, being single and single shaming and all of the amazing topics that you discuss oh yeah for sure I've been writing about singlehood in some capacity since about 2013 and there's always been a really really good direct response to me the refinery pieces got so much good feedback in terms of the emails i was getting and the dms i was getting the comment section on refinery was a little little less than awesome but that's really the only place that i've had any sort of negative feedback to the work it's always been this instant bond that i have with someone who read it because they get it, they feel it. And what's most important to me is that they felt less alone after reading it. That's what makes me feel the best is like, if somebody is feeling really alone in their singlehood or really alone in any capacity to be able to read something where they feel both better and like they have company and camaraderie, for me, that's the the best compliment ever. Yeah. And I think it also just validates the message when you receive those nice messages of feedback and telling you that they also feel that way I think it's just really special like you know even when you write something if one person can connect with it then you obviously feel like my job is done Uh, so yeah and I definitely felt that way when I read it and just so you know to give you some context and also any listeners who uh, haven't heard my journey up until now or haven't been following me I have recently become single in my mid 30s I'm 33 and I say recently but it's actually has been a a good few months now it's been nearly six months and the last time I was single I was in my late 20s and wow what a difference mainly for how other people respond to my singlehood and that's obviously why your pieces spoke so much because of this stigma about being single in your 30s especially mid to late 30s and yeah, I just felt like I resonated with 
so much of what you were saying and I'm really excited to dig down into a few different areas today but I thought it would be really nice to start off if you could just tell the listeners your story of how you came to write about this topic I know you mentioned you've been writing about it since 2013 yeah I it's been an evolution I think I've been a writer since I learned how to write it's it's very much what I've always been and I I write best when I speak about what I'm experiencing. I, I compare it to the way that a stand-up comic sort of makes fun of their own lives and everything that they encounter in the world. I do the same thing with my work. And um, I my last relationship ended in like my mid to late 20s. And I've been single for almost 13 years now. And for the first like full decade of that, it was just absolute hell on earth. It was so dark. And it was such a feeling of failure and such a feeling of lack. And I felt just like something was missing. Like it was just, it was almost like you would have any other chore in your life. Like you have to go to work, you have to clean your apartment, you have to grocery shop and you have to find a boyfriend. It was like that ingrained in me that this was a need of mine. And I couldn't, the reason it was so dark, the reason it was such a struggle was I couldn't find someone. I couldn't fix this problem no matter what I did. I spent 10 full years looking for a relationship and didn't find one. And the feelings, I mean, can you imagine looking for an apartment for that long and not finding one? You would lose your mind. And I was like losing my mind. I was I just felt so low. My self-worth was so low. Everything was so low. And even in the darkest, absolute darkest moments of that life, I knew that there had to be purpose behind it. I knew there had to be purpose for why I was this single for this long. And of course, now I know what that purpose is. I have a podcast and I write all the time on this topic. The refinery column has ended, but my work in this space still continues. I write on Medium all the time on the same topics. So there's more there for everyone. But um, that's why. That's why I had to live through that because I found a way out of that hole. And now I want to bring other people with me. Because it's so much better when you really start to, and we'll talk about this today, but like when you really start to look at your singlehood as valid instead of a problem, when you start to see it for all the wonderful things that it is instead of the one thing you don't have, there is such a lift in your feelings, in your thought patterns, in everything. When you start to live fully as a single person instead of spending every waking hour trying to find someone it's just a better life yeah I completely agree with you and I know especially obviously from my own personal story but also from my clients stories of that feeling of how it can consume you it can genuinely consume you exactly like you said searching for an apartment searching for a job you know dating is like going on job interviews just time after time after time so I completely get you and I know that it can be something that takes that shift away from yourself and your relationship with yourself so I'm so happy that you found your niche your message in this I think that it's wonderful and I think the same way you know I have that I am the turning 30 life coach why am I the turning 30 life coach because I also really struggled to come to terms with the fact that when I was turning 30 my life didn't look how I thought it would look I didn't have as much money in the bank I didn't have a ring on my finger I didn't have children I didn't have the perfect job and all of those things and I then turned that into talking about it and 
exactly like you said, I'm so happy I went through that lesson because that's given me a whole career. So for anyone who's in a place of struggling and uncertainty or feeling stuck, go and make a career about it. <laughs> that's my advice. Go, go and write about it. Go and talk about it. Make a podcast. But yeah, there's something that you said that really, I can't remember if I heard it on a podcast episode of yours or whether it was in, a, in an article, but you said something about how being single is seen by society as a transient phase. Like if you are single, you're always supposed to be just waiting not to be. And that just smacked me in the face because it's like, why? Why does society see that if you are single, why does it presume that you would then always be waiting not to be? So powerful. When you said that, it was just like, oh, yeah, because also in a way that's how I see it, and that's how a lot of, a lot of people see it. So, really interesting content. It's how, yeah, it's it's how. By the way, it's how society gets away with giving a lot of shit to a lot of single people. Sorry if I can't of course swear. You can. Swear um, away, please. I love swearing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's how it's how society gets away with making single people feel bad, with putting single people on the spot, with with all of the incoming that single people deal with it's it's how it's how the world gets away with it because it's assumed that we don't want to be this it is assumed that this is a problem this is wrong and this is temporary so why do things like create apps for single people or products for single people or services for single people unless they're about dating why would we give them anything else they're just temporary why would we make anything else for them? All they care about is dating. All they need to do is date until they found somebody and then they don't have to date anymore. So let's just make the only thing we ever create or do for them pertain to dating. And when that happens, when the only thing that's ever made for you or targeted at you or anything pertains to dating, that message sinks in and you begin to internalize that all you're allowed to think about while you're single is dating. Because that's all anybody's ever telling you you should think about. So that becomes this narrow focus. Like single people can start looking through life through a pinhole. We only see the one thing we don't have. We have to find someone. And every waking hour, every every moment you're standing in line for coffee, every time you're watching something on Netflix and second screening on your phone, you're swiping and swiping and swiping and swiping and swiping and just desperately trying to find somebody because those are the only messages you've received or that you should. You haven't received any other messaging in the single space about everything else you could be doing and enjoying and living and loving, not as a consolation prize, but as a full, valid, worthy life. I can't, I can't let it go anymore. I can't let single people only hear negative messaging anymore. I can't yeah, do it. Yeah, it's just social conditioning. We've all been programmed to believe that being single is something that is negative, which is just so ironic because I have to be honest, you know, I'm out of a four-year long almost relationship and I'm the happiest I've ever been, but I'm still thinking about dating, thinking about my next relationship. So now I'm, when you were speaking, what was going through my head was, wow, have I just been a victim of advertising, of social media, of victim of society. And maybe there's no right or wrong about relationship status. It's crazy. I would love it if one day the word, the word single carried with it no more stigma than the word couple. 
I wish it was just another descriptor. I wish it was valid, but it's the first, whenever anybody hears you're single, the only thing they want to talk to you about is dating because they just assume that's your focus. And I have been my happiness, happiest as an adult when I wasn't focusing on dating. I, I deleted my dating apps two years ago. It'll be two years ago in January. And they have been the best two years of my adulthood. They have been the most free, the most relaxing, the most like, I mean, not in every area of life, obviously like shit is stressful, but since I let go of that, I let go of the dating apps. I let go of the the dating stress. I let go of dating as a to-do list item. I have been so much happier, so much more productive, so much more creative and just lighter. I have felt lighter and happier when that left my life. It doesn't mean that I don't want a relationship. I absolutely do. It just doesn't mean that I'm going to be miserable before that happens because all I'm doing is swiping. I, yeah. Do you think there's a way to enjoy being single and still swipe and still be on the dating apps? Of course. Of course. Singlehood gets painted as black or white all the time. You're either miserable and single and searching to find someone or you're super happy single and you don't need anybody. That's a lie. You can exist in your own singlehood however you want to. I personally do not date online. I look forward to dating in real life whenever that happens, but I don't date online. I am very happily single, but I also really look forward to my next relationship. And we have to break that notion that if you become really happily single, you're somehow communicating to the relationship gods that you don't want a boyfriend. That's not a thing. That's not true. In fact, I think that you're communicating the exact opposite. I think if you are really happy and secure and confident in your singlehood, I think that just attracts more good to you. I really believe that. And I I want us to let go of the idea that it has to be this or that. You can be your own brand of single however you want to. It's It's your choice to make. And I know that we're not actually recording this video for anyone to see, but I feel like I'm like nodding along and just agreeing with every word. It's like I'm in like a trance when you're speaking <laughs> because it's so true. When you just said about how it's either you are, you know, out there looking for somebody or you're so happy being single that you you don't need a man or woman. And it's like, it's true. Why? And it, it just everything you're saying is blowing my mind because, and that, you know, it's something that I've really been on this journey with the past six months of figuring out that it's okay to be happy and be alone for now at my age. And I feel so strongly about it that now I want to share the message with everybody else. So it's, I really love the message and the term single shaming. Is that a term that you've coined? Is that something that is also around? Have you, or is that something personal to you and your, and your material? I don't think I coined that term. I wouldn't want to claim it. Um, there's very little that I do claim. I claim window shopping. Window shopping is a term that I don't like. Window shopping are all those guys that you almost dated or like talked to online for a bit and then they ghosted you or they never want to speak to you again, but they look at all of your Instagram stories. That's the, story the window creepers. shopper. The story yeah. creepers. Why? Why do they do that? I don't know. I don't care. Block them. Like that's the end of that discussion. You just block that, them. You, that's the you answer. Move on. Yeah. To block, block them all. They don't deserve. They don't deserve you. They're window shopping you. They don't. Absolutely not. But if I have a date with somebody and I don't like them, that's it. Done. Bye. No. Don't even remember they exist. Who knows? But I, I don't claim single shaming. I I acknowledge that it absolutely exists every single day of our lives. I mean, you look at. I mean, every 
look at a movie or a television show, listen to a song, open your app and see what's being marketed to you as a single person. For me, working in the space that I work in, you should see the PR emails and pitches that I get. It's only ever dating apps. That's it. That's it. Most of the time I just let it go and I don't respond. But there was this one time where they just wouldn't let it go. And they kept following up and following up and following up. And I said, listen to me, you're taking the time to follow up with me, but you haven't read any anything I've ever written because you would know that I'm strongly against dating apps and you're trying to pitch me a new one right now. Like this is not, sometimes I have to tell them like, why, why is this being presented to me a single as a problem? I am not a problem. The way I live is not a problem. And the more we tell single people, particularly the more we tell single women, especially those of us in our 30s, that what they are is a problem, that it's dangerous. Because, you know, there's so many apps and spaces and and services that are centered around mental health and centered around like us taking care of ourselves. But we have to address this too. When the only message about what you are is negative, when that's all that you're taking in, what's that doing to your mental health? I genuinely have concerns for the mental health of single people when what we're looking at are the messages that they're getting from around the world, from what's being marketed to them and shown to them and said to them by loved ones. And that's even before you open a dating app <laughs> and then you have to deal with the niceties of Tinder. Like it's There's just so much negative incoming and we don't deserve it. We never did. So I try in my work to let people know that they can set themselves free from that if they want to. Yeah, and that's for me what the single shaming is. It's those questions that people ask. It's the the pity, the pity nods and the tilt the of the, the head. head. That's oh, my I couldn't favorite. Have had it. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't have had it more this year. I've obviously, I've post-breakup, I went back to visit a family in, in Manchester where I'm from and you know, every relative was tilt of the head. Oh, I've heard about you. Are you living alone now? Are you okay? And I'm like, living alone is quite possibly the best thing that could ever happen to anyone. And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm fine. tilt their heads and then in their next breath, they complain about their spouse. Yes. Yes. This makes no sense. I know. But the truth is, is that there actually isn't a correlation between relationships status and happiness probably I'm guessing I don't think that if we took away what we're talking about now the the social conditioning if we took away the pity stares and the targeted advertising and all of the things that we're discussing now and just saw people for an individual who is single or an individual who is in a partnership there probably wouldn't be a direct correlation between happiness and sadness and that's the awful thing is how much we are victims of our surroundings and how what we have to do is unlearn that and unlearn that being single for x amount of time isn't a bad thing in the same way that being in a relationship for x amount of time isn't a good thing why do we celebrate so much oh my god i've been together eight years or 15 years like why wouldn't you also have a happy anniversary for being single for 13 years Really? I don't know, but I also would encourage you to look into the work of Dr. Bella DePaulo, who is one of the foremost voices in singlehood. She is like, when I speak to her, it's like speaking to an actual rock star. She has done research because everything that I, I bark about into a microphone, she has data to back it up. She's a social scientist and she, her, in her research, she's discovered that single people are actually happier. So 
you know, and I think that there's there's a danger in internalizing that message too much because I don't like pitting singlehood against couplehood. I don't think one is better than the other. Um, and I also like want to reiterate to singles that like couples don't have to be miserable for you to be happy. We have that as a false narrative as well. That doesn't have to be true. Hundred percent. It's like when you're single, you tell yourself, "Oh, but even my friends and relationships aren't that happy." To make it a justification, but it's just it's not relevant. What everyone else is doing, it's it's almost none of our business. It's not happening to us. Other people's happiness is not happening to us. Other people's misery is not happening to us. And because it's not happening to us, we also have to understand that there's not an unlimited or there's not a limited amount of happiness in the world. Like one couple's happiness is not taking away from your potential happiness. Like you still have all the potential in the world, whether you're in a couple or whether you're single, other people's happiness cannot take anything away from you unless you let it. And that is such an important message to remind ourselves of as singles at the holidays, especially because we're about to get inundated with cute pajama photos and photos in front of a Christmas tree or a menorah. And we need to temper our <laughs> our emotions by understanding that someone else's happiness does not take away from us. It does not, it doesn't even have to reflect back to us anything. It has nothing to do with us at all. I tell my audience, like when you get in those moments, of jealousy and comparing, try to think a different thought to yourself and practice it until you mean it. And that is every time you see one of those photos or an engagement or a wedding, or whatever, just say it to yourself. I'm so glad they're happy and move on. Just try it. Just try making that your first thought instead of the jealousy, instead of the sadness of comparing. Just say, I'm so glad they're happy and you move on and see how much lighter you feel over time. So this is exactly what I teach in my coaching. I don't know if you ever considered becoming becoming a life coach because it sounds like you would be very good at it. But really, um, it's exactly what I teach. I always say with comparison is that there are two stages of comparison. The first one is the natural stage of going out there and actually doing the comparing, looking around, seeing what's there. We have human brains, primitive brains. We are always, no matter how many times we want to, you know, limit our social media use or not go on Facebook or not swipe on whatever, we're always going to be looking around us and receiving data into our minds. That's fine. That's just the natural side of comparing. The unnatural side or the more evil side of comparing that we can control is exactly what you're talking about. It's the part where we make it about us. It's the part where we take somebody else's joy and say, as if it's a finite resource, that therefore something's wrong with us because somebody has something when the two are not linked in any shape or form and exactly what I work with clients on is what you said it's firstly understanding the thoughts that are there the negative thought patterns and the second part is working on changing it you know really asking do you genuinely believe that to be true is that true that you are unhappy for that person no, you're just making it mean something about yourself. Let's replace it. Let's reframe it. Let's reconceptualize it with another thought, a more positive thought, or even a neutral thought. Okay, that person just is a person who exists in the world and they have no bearing on me. Even that is a more positive thought than that my life is doomed because that person has something that I potentially want. You're a lot nicer than me. I take no shit. I don't want a neutral thought. I want a positive one. I want <laughs> single people to give themselves more positive thoughts by seeing things a different way. Yeah. Because we've only been taught one way to see them since birth, since fairy tales. We've only been taught couple good, single bad our whole lives. And I don't know about you, but I'm really happy. <laughs> like, 
It's totally possible. This is not a consolation prize life. It really isn't. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think that for me, one year ago, if you would have told me I would be living alone, single and happy, I would have been, what? No, don't be so ridiculous. So yeah, there's so much waiting on the other side when you actually are willing to go through the pain and understand what's happened. And especially I'm talking specifically about anyone who's going through a breakup. But I think the message that we both can put out there to anyone listening is that being single and being in your 30s isn't doom and gloom. It really isn't. And I can honestly vouch for that. And I can vouch for that as someone who also dates on the apps and also had a I had a nice little two-month break actually um from it and really never felt better really it, it did make a huge difference I have to say just less swiping more focus on other things but yeah I think if there's one key message to take from this podcast episode is that being single in your 30s is nothing to be ashamed about no and it's nothing to fear and when you can fully live single life and and learn to enjoy it and see it for all that it is and all of its potential and all of its freedom, when you can really live that, you become so much less afraid of being single again or being single still. And when that happens, you will be less likely to enter into the wrong relationship and less likely to stay in a bad relationship when you're not afraid of what's on the other side. Yeah, 100%. So we've already mentioned, obviously, we're pre-holidays in the States, obviously, post-Thanksgiving, and for the rest of the world, we're pre-Christmas and Hanukkah. And I'm curious to know, maybe even some practical tips. I know that you just mentioned the thought replacement that we've spoken about, but do you have any practical tips for how to react to or how to deal with single shaming during the holidays? Yes. For sure. And everyone always wants to hear this. And it warms my heart that I can be a resource for this because um, I have spent Christmas Eve. So I'm Jewish by uh, like the religion I was raised into. But then as I became an adult, I started like admitting to myself how much I enjoy Christmas because it's just full of glitter and chocolate and twinkle lights and candy cane. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Why would I not celebrate this holiday? <laughs> so I am a both kind of person. <laughs> um, so, but, and I, I, um, many, many, many years ago, my grandmother passed on Christmas Eve and she was Jewish too, but it was still harder because it was that night was always such a big deal. No matter where you are, it's like, it's Christmas Eve. Come on. We live in this world. And I, I decided that I, I had to make it a good night. I had to find a way to not be miserable on that night. And so I started having these solo Christmas Eves where they became my favorite night of the year. It became all about me doing exactly what I want to do in the space that I want to do it, how I want to do it. It's what I want you to remember at the holidays, but all year, but especially at the holidays. Your life belongs to you and there are no obligations that you need to fulfill for anyone else. And also, no one can see you. Like It's your holiday if you want to put up five Christmas trees or none. If you want to cover your house in lights and glitter or nothing at all, if you want to play really loud, obnoxious Christmas music all the time, do it. Whatever you feel drawn to do, whatever brings you joy, whatever makes you feel like your life is customized to yourself, 
do that at the holiday season. Don't think that you can't live fully because you're just, and I'm putting just in air quotes, just one person. The best example I have of this in a practical setting is that for many, many years of my singlehood, when I had started celebrating Christmas, I only allowed myself a miniature tree. It was like two feet tall. It was super cute. It was this little white fake, little two or three feet tall Christmas tree that took up no room, just this little baby tree. And I thought that that was all I could have because I was still single. I wasn't a real person yet. I wasn't a real family yet. I wasn't real yet. So I don't get a real tree. And then one year I was like, enough. Why do I do this? Why do I wait for a big tree to be partnered? It's it's that kind of nonsense. Like that thought is so stupid to say out loud, but I believed it because that was the messaging I had absorbed. So that year, that Christmas, I got a six foot tall white tree that I still have. It is right next to me. It's gorgeous. And I look forward to unpacking it every year because every year I remember, every single year I remember having the small trees and how I no longer do because I decided for myself that I was keeping myself small, literally and uh, figuratively speaking. And now I am not small anymore. Yeah. I love that metaphor and the fact that you've got the the big tree. I can show you. You want to see? Oh, wow. It's gorgeous. That's my tree. Everyone, to everyone listening, it's a really beautiful tree. And I'm so happy to hear a story like that. And I love that advice of don't hold back and doing something because it's something that you would maybe do in the future with someone else in the way you really want to do it. And I've got another great example to give you of I'm just about to go on a digital nomad trip to Central America. So I just booked my flights yesterday and I'm going for a few months. I don't know. We're going, we're going to see where the wind blows me. But I have a 10-day break over Christmas and New Year. And I'm having a time off for my clients. And I was thinking what to do. And the question came of whether to fly back to, on the way to uh, Mexico, to fly back to the UK and see family, or whether to go on a trip alone because I'm going alone anyway, the whole of my trips alone, but to go on just a holiday, a hotel luxury holiday alone. And I was holding back from booking it because I was thinking, oh, I should book visit family. And then I was like, actually, you know what? Why, why wouldn't I just go? I'm only not going. If I had a partner, then it wouldn't even be a question to go 10 days to an island off Mex- in Mexico. And that was it. I just made my decision and I booked a really nice hotel, something that it was a complete treat. And I haven't been on a honeymoon before. And I don't know, maybe one day I will, but this is my honeymoon. This is my single honeymoon. I'm going for 10 days to just be alone and read so many books. And maybe I'll meet people, but even if I don't, it just doesn't matter. And I think that's my, my white Christmas tree is my Christmas uh, in Mexico. So that sounds <laughs> amazing. That and I am so happy for you. You're going to have the best time, the best time. One of the, you know what? I'm like thinking about this like luxury hotel room you're about to have in the giant bed you're about to sleep in. You know what I've been telling people lately? Um, switching the thought, like if you, if you're someone who hates sleeping alone and if you find like it really, really tough to not have someone in bed next to you, change the thought, I hate sleeping alone to, I get the whole bed and see how much more you love like star fishing in this like luxury hotel bed that you're about to have. I'm so excited for you. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I have to say, 
I never resonate with anybody who says that they miss sleeping with someone or they they don't like sleeping alone because sleeping alone is quite honestly the best Mm -hmm. thing in the world yeah even if regardless of relationship status it's it's the best thing in the world I have massive concerns I've been sleeping alone for 13 years how am I going to get used to this again I mean we'll work it out but like is it it scares me like it's a completely it's so funny like I I see I have seen multiple pieces of work lately about the notion of separate bedrooms for couples. And I love that. I, I I don't know why there would be stigma around that. I just read something from a married woman and she wrote, I'm always so happy to see him in the morning. And I thought that was the sweetest thing. I honestly think it's the secret to a happy marriage from what I've heard is separate bedrooms, separate beds, own space fully. I really, I, I'm somebody who single or not always just loves having that time to myself and being alone really important so I think that you know that's definitely something to consider when we're reframing the the bed thought is to understand that being alone is healthy whether you're with someone whether you're not with someone anyway having an amount of time alone which we've all had this year COVID but you know it's very very healthy to be alone with your thoughts and to be able to process emotions and be able to understand what it's like to be with yourself and I think I know from experience that lots of people who are afraid of being alone is usually something deeper. It's usually a fear of actually feeling or a fear of actually being with your thoughts. Okay, so I wanted to also ask you, uh, we've talked about the holiday season. Do you have any other examples of, or maybe even funny stories of when someone has tried to pity do the pity tilt uh, and single shame and you've just kind of turned it around. Well, the luxurious thing about my line of work is that people have stopped doing that to me because they know better. Um, But that you will get, like sometimes I'll sit down in a hairdresser's chair or I'll come across someone who doesn't know me. And um, you know what? It, It wasn't that long ago. And I think it actually was at the holiday season. I was, sorry, my cat is eating the Christmas tree. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I was sitting at dinner uh, with a bunch of women of, of varying ages, and I didn't know everyone at the table. It was around the holiday season, and I um, at that night I was wearing a ring, this uh, cocktail ring that I love. It's like yellow, and it's got all these like it's fake, but it has like these yellow gemstones, and it's a really pretty band. And I was wearing it on my left hand on my ring finger, and it was one of those moments where there was like also family at the table, and I didn't want to be insulting, so I just like couldn't hand her ass to her. But she said, "Aren't you afraid?" that a man will see that and then not come up and talk to you. She was like one full generation older than me, if not two generations older than me. And in that moment, I had to have empathy for her mindset instead of allowing myself to get angry and insulted. I had to just think she sees things a different way than I do. And nothing's going to be gained from me getting angry or upset here. But, you know, if it had just been us two there, I would have gotten really upset and really angry and fully gotten on my soapbox and just said everything that was wrong with that statement. Everything. It was, it's a piece of jewelry on my own hand. And she was, her main concern was that I was somehow preventing myself from finding this all important thing by wearing a $30 piece of plastic on my hand. 
it was it was it was a test. It was a test for my empathy and it was a test for my patience. Um, but yeah. I actually think that there's such an important message there in what you just said, linked back to the question I asked about having about giving practical tips for the holidays. That piece of advice is that always have empathy and think, especially when it's like you said, she was a generation or two older than than you. And I always think that it's a really good way to reframe a thought is to think, well, they don't mean it badly. Don't get me wrong. It's still as annoying. And we still have every right to be annoyed or be angry or react. But when we can look at it exactly like you said, and know that it's just that person's upbringing, their story, their belief. I have to do this a lot with my very Jewish grandma, who to her, I'm, you know, so far back on the shelf. She just can't ever imagine that a woman would be able to get to my age and not be married and settle down by now and I get nervous to to speak to her about it and then I always have to remind myself that's just the world that she knows that's the world that she was brought up in she was married at 18 you know she even her kids were married my my mum got married very young early 20s 2021 and I think that if we can always just have some form of perspective of how other people view us and understand that it's not from hatred it's just what they know and they don't necessarily mean to be ignorant or mean to say these things it's just how it comes out Mm -hmm. yeah empathy is always a good approach for sure and also gratitude I was very grateful that I was not of her mindset I was very grateful that I could see the instantaneous ridiculous in that and I was also like really grateful that I could get that gap in in thought process because who knows what the gap is going to be when I'm her age and I'm at dinner with somebody who's two generations below me. Like what is that gap going to be like? Uh, so I wanted to just have a little bit of perspective and also just end that conversation as quickly as possible because I would have gotten very angry if we had actually gotten into it. And I don't need to insult anybody with my views on singlehood. I, I need to help with my views on singlehood. I don't need to insult or, or scold or anything like that. This is meant to be helpful and educational, not, um, can you stop meowing? Mommy's working. Yeah, it's it's not meant to scold anybody. It's, it's really just meant to help. Do you think that there's any hope for society to stop this single shaming? Or can you see a change? Can you see there being some sort of revolution about the way that single people are perceived? I think there has to be a tipping point. Yeah. I don't think you can have a society that single shames as much as it does and a divorce rate that's as high as it is and have that not reconcile itself eventually. Like there's no way. We love to ignore how often couples break up. We also love to failure shame couples and we really have no business doing that. I don't see a breakup as a failure, by the way. I see it as just something ending that needed to end and two people can move on into the next phase of their lives and that's beautiful. So we'll stop shaming couples as well. But um when singles are shamed, it's done from this place of superiority. Like obviously couplehood is better than singlehood. And uh, I like I want to call that out. And I want to say, you know what the divorce rate is, right? You know statistically how likely you are to break up with your with your boyfriend. Um, but it's never that's that's never the go-to response because we're conditioned to not insult couples but couples are conditioned to insult singles. Like that 
can't last in my opinion. I mean, I know it's lasted since the beginning of time, but it's the work that I do every single day is to try to change that. So I certainly hope that things change. If they don't, I have job security. So I feel like that's okay too, but yeah, there has to be there has to be a point at which people realize the truth of singlehood. And that truth is a lot more positive than we were ever led to believe. So I I like the place I'm working from because I'm working against a lie and lies don't hold up. And singlehood, the lie of how shitty singlehood is, it's not going to hold up because I have too much evidence to the contrary. I agree with you. And I also think that as someone who now has started to practice a new mindset or have been practicing a new mindset now for a while, you know, your brain obviously becomes fine-tuned to your thoughts and the evidence around you becomes stronger. So I've definitely been seeing myself a lot more positivity around that, around this topic. And that's obviously why I came across you because now because I'm more accepting of being single and now wanting to enjoy this phase of my life and not necessarily in a panic about what's going to happen next then you do I have started to hear more voices speaking out about it so I do think that eventually there will be a tipping point but it's so important for us as single women in our 30s to keep doing this work and to keep speaking up so on that note I think it's a really great Uh, way to end a really amazing episode so I just want to thank you so much for coming on and I really appreciate your work I love your podcast and I would love you to just share details with the audience of where they can find you and how they can listen to your podcast sure Uh, my name is Shaney Silver I am a Brooklyn-based writer that you can find online at shaneysilver.com you can also Check out my work on Medium, which is linked on my website. That's where I do a lot of the writing that we were talking about earlier. My podcast is called A Single Serving Podcast, and it is all of the places you listen to podcasts. It's very easy to find. Um, yeah, that's that's where to find me. It's it's convenient having a Googleable name. That's really that's that's kind of nice. Yeah, definitely. And I'll put the details anyway in the blurb for the podcast episode, so you can go and look there and check out Shinny's amazing, amazing content. So on that note, thank you once again, and I'll see everybody on the podcast next week. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) 